episode 193 and we didn't record without you this morning van nothing before because there's nothing to talk about it seems like yeah well it's, it's kind of like the playing days right you get right before christmas to like end of january it's just everything is the same it really is groundhog day it is it is i mean it's you know teams teams trying to get a few more wins before christmas then you get two days which are amazing to get two days away from the rink well Maybe nowadays it's different because they get so many days offs. But back then when we played, those two days were the best days ever. How amazing was it when back when there were no mandatory days off when we knew that we were getting a day off? Oh, guys were always trying to get the scoop. Hey, Magatu. Yeah, but Magatu, go get yeah. go find out. Is there but what day about off? the days? There's a rumor. There's a rumor of a day off tomorrow, yeah. boys. If we if we win, you know, it's like it's like he starts floating it out there. Yeah, We're but what about the slotted days Smith. that we knew that we were we were gonna because we had a heavy schedule, this and that. Oh yeah. And we knew that we were gonna have a certain day off. And then we played shit the night ne- the, the night before, and Lindy's just like oh, yeah. everybody, everybody it's show bad. up at 9 30. <laughs> you know, like he pulled that were, shit on us at Christmas. Ones. We were all on the same team. Because Riv, you and I met at the Cheesecake Factory the next day and got completely mm-hmm. blasted and then did our Christmas shopping. Felt like we had a few of those in Buffalo. Felt like I mean the standard was so high with Lindy that if you don't perform, then you're 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 not getting the cookie as you know. We well, man, you were in the it, league right? when they changed that and made it a man mandated day off. Was that something that the players were saying the whole time? Like, hey, we need a day off a week. This is crazy. I can't remember exactly. I don't know if it was the player so much pushing for it, but uh when Don came over from the MLB, I think he kind of looked at us and he's like, first of all, you guys don't have your own room on the road. He's like, what's wrong with you guys? And you guys don't have a mandatory day off. And we're like, what are you talking about? Those are, those things exist in other leagues. That's like, like forbidden <laughs> in this league. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what are days off? So <laughs> I think he's the one who kind of pushed for it. And obviously everyone jumped on board and it's like, yeah, that would be amazing. Man, it was such a grind back back in the day it was such a grind i i I feel i i I don't remember having days off ever it was a seven day a week you know you i mean you might have maybe got a sunday where you would play like you know i played a long time in montreal but we would play saturday night and then on sunday there would be some sort of bike ride or stretch or you know the the guys who didn't play as much had to go on the ice like it was i don't think there was ever a day off we never got days off rarely like i said even when it was a day off it really wasn't a day off you still had to get up go to the rink and do something so uh but i I think that's you know it's a good change that has happened in the league i mean I, i listened to you guys' pod yesterday and you guys were talking about concussions and this and this and i think it all ties in i remember when we played i mean could you imagine? I mean, I never went in. I mean, I think at one point I went in in my career with Lindy saying, I, I really, I can't skate anymore. My groin is hanging on. Because if you say, you know, hey, my groin hurts, I need a day off, they, they would laugh at you. You know, they're like, no, nah, that doesn't exist. Just tape it up. Put in the core shorts. Make it tighter. You know, so it's it's like you continuously just skated and skated and skated until something literally ripped off. And then it was like, oh, okay, yeah. How much? Uh, what, what are you gonna miss? Seven days? 
So no, uh, because, yeah, well, no, no, no. The trainer would go in and say, okay, uh, you know, Vanner's <laughs> going to be out for three weeks. You know, he'll be out for probably 21 days. And, and the, and the, and the, the reply was, okay, have him back in 14. Yeah, no, 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 no. You didn't hear me. He's out for three weeks. No, no, no. You'll have him back in 14 days. Right. And that's so the way I, it was. I mean, it was, I mean, I remember I broke my jaw and I got wired shut and I think I stayed at home the day after the surgery. And so two days after I came to the rink and the first thing they made me do is jump on the airdyne bike. And I'm, I'm biking with my mouth shut breathing through the side of my no, mouth. You're not. Like, no, you're not. Yeah. I was like, Oh my so God. Your this... teeth were together and you're like on the bike going. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I remember leaving the rink. I'm like, I actually just wanted to come down and say hi to the guys and <laughs> just kind of get away from, you know, like, because you're so used to being at the rink every day because days often exist. Yeah. I'm like, but I didn't expect to <laughs> get killed on the bike with my mouth shut wired. Oh. eaten in two days, but again, oh, so cool. I think this, but again, the change is great for nowadays, you know, more days off. I think they, they, Coaches understand that days off are important. When a guy's injured, they're giving him a maintenance day, they call it. But the only thing that I know when I played, and I'm removed a few years now, sometimes it was over the top, especially with some of the you know, younger guys. They would come up and they're like, oh, you know, they got bumped or something. Oh, my groin hurts, and they wouldn't go on the ice. Where there is a fine line of, you know, you, you gotta not again it doesn't matter if you played 400 games or 50 games if you're hurt you're hurt but there is to be a certain standard of like are you really hurt or are you just tired so and you know what uh, there's something to be said for mental fatigue in the league too you know well, they started to do a lot more analytics on that do you remember remember that they started to kind of really start to monitor um, because at the end of my time in buffalo and you were there vanner and so mm -hmm. was Petey. We would, they started with having us wear heart monitors on the ice, which basically gave your resting heart rate throughout a practice. Um, you know, you're, they, they already knew this because of the VO two max, which was a run or a bike test. And it's, it's an auction in intake type thing. And you got to know what kind of shape a person was in. So they tested you at the start of the year. They took that data and then ran you with heart rate monitors throughout the season. Okay. And you knew you could, you could tell if a player was being overtrained and we, I never, I had never seen that in, you know, 12, 13 years of my NHL career. Well, that's what but they wanted they you to think, but they wanted to, they used that to see how hard guys worked in practice. I don't so think that was it. I, I really do. Now that I think too. about it, look at it, look up at the, at the screen boys. Why was the hardest working so player still in the, the green? Now. This has been a brutal practice. Yes. You're not working very hard. Uh, in my opinion, I think you guys both have very good points. In my opinion, from day one, because I grew up in Europe and we did a ton of this growing up. So this was nothing new to me. I even did this when I was 12. You had not a heart rate monitor on? When not you necessarily the heart, not the heart rate monitors, but I know in the summer, like our teams would train together all summer long and we would, you know, run. I mean, Europe, they love their running and then we would run laps and then we would have a, a medical die there and, you know, prick your ear or, um, uh, you know, do take your heart rate. So 
I think the Sabres were on the right track. I think they had the right attentions, but it ended up being used the wrong way. <laughs> because yeah. Just because I ever. remember Tyler Myers, right? Like the guy would go blue line to blue line and his heart rate would be at 180. And they're like, oh, he's working hard. Good job. I'm like, well, I, I don't think that's working hard. There's something actually, why does his heart rate get to 180 when he's skating one lap and he's a beautiful skater? It's just everybody is different. If you really wanted to do it the right way, then you got to, you know, prick your ear every so often and get your blood. And that's how you really test the right way. So I do think the intentions were good, but the way we used it, I think was garbage. Well, I'll say this in a way I, I, I they were ahead of the curve. I mean, Buffalo was one of the first Trying teams to, that, yeah. that I Trying knew that did it. And then it's funny. I was in Buffalo. I don't remember what year we started doing it. Was it? Oh, somewhere in there. Oh, yeah. seven. I don't remember doing it in our president's trophy. Year. That was, that you was know? all, that was the start of hockey heaven. <laughs> I think that might've been a few years later, but it, but it was, but it was like, Oh wait. And then I end up at the devils in Oh nine, 10. And then they start implementing the, the heart rate monitors too. We didn't at the start of the year, they just started to come out midway through. So it's, it's very interesting. And now don't these players wear tracking devices. I actually went to a, a hockey game yesterday, a youth game. And one of the parents told me, cause there's this kid out there, he's electrifying watch. And He wears some kind of a monitor so that the dad knows like how fast he skates, how fast he skates. Yeah. I think they have them in the jerseys now with certain players, right? Because you, you, if you watch a game, they'll be like, oh, he skated 22 miles per I, hour. Aren't they those or, little yeah. rectangle or uh, yeah, rectangular devices Things in the back the shoulder of the jersey? I think it's in the, in the back of the, the, you know, the neck area, top of your neck area. Yeah. In the back. I think it's, you know, they kind of put it in there. I think they're starting to understand is what you're ultimately trying to get is peak performance mm -hmm. throughout a very long demanding season. There's players that play different minutes. There's players that play not the same amount of games. And ultimately what you're looking for is peak performance all the time. I think they're realizing, and I think what they've done for many, many decades is that they put everybody in the same box. Okay. You have to be at the same level as this guy. Um, and I think they're getting away from that because I think every individual body is different guys. Um, maybe in better shape, just genetically, some guys repair, uh, quicker than others. And I think you have to not put everybody in the same box. So they're trying to figure out what is the best way for each individual player What is the best course of action for that one individual? So when he goes and plays the game, you know, the next night, how does he get, how do we get the peak performance out of him? And I think that's mm -hmm. the direction of way the, where the NHL is going, which is, I think the right way of doing it. You can't put everybody in the same, in the same box. When I got, and I think I've mentioned this before, when I got traded from Vancouver to uh, Columbus and John Tortorella was the coach. And I remember calling Steve Bartlett and I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do this. I might just go home. And he starts laughing. He goes, no, oh, I know Torch. He's awesome. You'll love him. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. But, and within one day of knowing John Tortorella, I did. I loved him I, I, because I've been coached hard before. So I don't mind getting yelled at. I don't, I don't take it personal. I actually, if anything, it fueled me, but 
that was the first team I've ever played on where I felt like I needed to practice more because he was all about game days. Prepare yourself for games. So the days in between, and again, you got to think this is straight deadline. So late February, early March, we had a good team. And he was all about days off. And he, we would have a day off the next day morning skate. And he didn't care if you come to the rink. He goes, I don't care what you do. Get you do whatever you want. Be ready for the game. It was all, and that, that took me a few weeks to get used to about not practicing and not, you know, the puck touches or whatever. But once you get used to it and you know how to deal with it, man, you had some great energy in games. That would be hard to adjust to. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I mean, how from, guilt did you ever just not go to the rink? I did actually, because again, I was by myself. So I lived literally in an apartment 20 seconds away. And I would come to the rink and just to kind of hang out because I'm bored. So I would go there in the morning and I was like, oh, maybe I'll go on the ice and, you know, just mess around for 20 minutes. And I remember towards the first time I did it, he was, he's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just I'm bored. He's like, get out of here. He's like, you don't need to be at the rink. He's like, you know, you played this many minutes. He's like, go away, go for a walk, do something else. Is he misunderstood? Like, does he actually have full-on battles with his players? Like, the thing with, uh, uh, who's the guy in, in Winnipeg now, guys? Dubois. Uh, Dubois. Like, the yeah, one he they was hard on him. Time. He was very hard on him. But I think you saw his best games. You know, it was there times I think he could have got handled differently, for sure. But I think the player could have handled it differently, too. So I think he he knows how hard to go at certain players. And to elevate their game and help their game. So I, I I do think he's misunderstood. I mean, again, his training camps, again, I didn't do a training camp, so I can't speak of that. Are they over the top? Sure. But I think that's, you know, that's, that's his old school mentality that he won't change. But during the year, I think he knows what kind of team he has and what he needs to do. Like he's, he's as hockey savvy as it gets. Do we, do we remember back though, when he was with the Rangers, um, he had some harsh words for Hagelin, if I'm not rem- if I'm not mistaken, and I feel mm-hmm. like that might have been the the final straw for him there. I, I don't know, but what I can tell you is when he was in Vancouver, and he was only there for a short amount of time. Yeah, he went after and, the Flames' whole team, which yeah. <laughs> which I mean, I kind of well, loved. I'm like, look at this guy; loves his team. Like, yeah, but talking when I got to Vancouver, you know, I mean, Tortorella's topic came up with the Sedins and the Adlers, the guys who were there with him. Those guys loved him. And the reason I heard he got fired there is because he was battling with the owners because he they thought they didn't practice enough. And he was like, you know, especially Vancouver's travel schedule is crazy. You're gone as a long flights and he was himself and given days off and two days off in a row sometimes. And that was his philosophy. And I think him and the ownership just, just didn't see it the right way. And that's why I think ultimately was let go, but he was, he was really liked by the players there. But then I want to ask, hold on, hold on. Wasn't Vancouver the team? Cause we were talking about the heart rate monitors at the start. Wasn't Vancouver the team that, that monitored all the sleep and everything with the players. Was that before or after you got there? That was before already. I think they were the first team that did, like the, all the sleep studies on the road, you know, when to fly, when to stay overnight and this and this. So I, I think you're was right that torts that. was torts there for that was, or was I that, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if yeah, he was okay. there for that or okay. not. It's amazing when you about. think of tor- torts with how, how many teams he's been on, how much he's seen, how much he's put in that 
in his own personal bucket as the as this game has evolved okay and the game's evolved if you're if you're like you look at lindy ruff in in new jersey you know he he started off in 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 um for the florida panthers as an assistant coach went to buffalo for many years moved on to uh the rangers then dallas and 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 now he's in new jersey and you have to evolve and you have to learn and be able to take in things analytics all of it it has to be used in today's game because all you're doing is you're trying to put the best product on the ice right and i look at torts and i'm like how much he has to give to these players because he understands the game he understands the game when it was back in the 2000s early 2000s but he also understands the game has changed okay and i just go back to the Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is a third overall draft pick to Columbus Blue Jackets, has some great seasons there. And then all of a sudden, he 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 literally asked for a trade. And it's, I mean, how, I just don't understand how soft these players are. It's like how, and then he goes out to Winnipeg. And you have a team right now that's number one in the Central. Okay, Winnipeg is the number one team in the Central, one of the top teams in the league right now. They remove their longtime captain in Blake Wheeler. They bring in what we perceived as a Band-Aid type coach, but insanely veteran, you know, related, right? And you ask yourself, I was going to ask Vanner because he's played with him. Like, what do you think? Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to do in Winnipeg? It is a game-changing signing. Well, hey, first man, of all, is it not amazing that he just went from a John Tortorella discussion and now we're talking Winnipeg? <laughs> because I want to know why. Yeah. I want to know why that young man, why were things so tough in Columbus where he quit? I, I quit, see. I, I don't, I, again, I wasn't there last year when, when this escalated or whatever happened. But the one thing I can tell you, he is not soft. That kid works. He okay. is he's an awesome kid. He's an unbelievable hockey player. And I actually saw not not he plays a different game than me, but I remember those young days and I would talk to him with me and Lindy. That's kind of how I saw Torts treating him, maybe not to the level, but and he he would take it. I mean, he was he was not a whiner. He was not at all. And he would show up the next day and work and 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 put the effort in and everything. I what I think happened is that he wanted a long-term deal because he thought he deserved it and they didn't give him. And I think that's just what happened. I think it was more of a contract deal than a, I don't want to play in Columbus. I think Columbus is a great city. I know you guys touched on it before with Gio. And I I do think he enjoyed his time there. That team was really close. A lot of, so he wanted money. Like his other peers were signing the big ticket Columbus, not, Sold, to do that. solely on making the long-term commitment and he just said all right then get me out of here that's what he said i believe so, this so is i how turned it went down so i turned the next page and mm-hmm. now he's in in winnipeg he's had you know some nice years in winnipeg this year he's playing exceptionally well 27 uh, games played 14 goals 29 points and i asked my asked myself why because winnipeg wants to sign him they mm-hmm. want to sign him to a long-term deal, but now he doesn't want to sign a long-term deal. He signs a one-year deal at $6 million. Mm-hmm. Well, he's here's, got next here's year as I'm a restricted thinking. free agent. The next year after that, he's unrestricted. 
Right. So in my opinion, he he wanted a big deal. What is it? Four years ago now, and he didn't get it. And he has played on these short term deals, and now he's probably looking at it like I've Just done this before. Yeah. I, I'm going to be a free agent at what? Tw- he's going to be 25, 26. Yeah, he's 24 right now. Yeah. So he's like, okay, 24. I can play two more years at six. That's a pretty nice, nice salary, right? And that's 26. I'll be a free agent, and the cap will be way higher than it is yeah. now. That doesn't mean he won't resign. So he could be a nine, ten million dollar player in two years from now when he's unrestricted free agent. Correct. At a young age, but no, he. I would take him in a heartbeat. From the short time that I was with him, yeah, it's a big body. He competes. He's a good kid. He was. He was great. Vanner, change gears here, Riv. You get what you need out of Pierre Luc Dubois. On that that one there. Are you good? Yeah. Are you good in Winnipeg, Riv? I am. And then, okay. and, and are you not surprised? I thought Winnipeg was going to be a big shit turd this year. And I'll <laughs> tell you right now, they're clearly not. They're just nope. spanking teams left and right. And it's well, one. Let's, the- let's just wait. Cause th- I agree with Thomas and I was on uh shred and ragging this morning. And I said the exact same thing. I said, after Christmas, the league is going to change. L- like look at St. Louis a few years ago, January mm-hmm. 2nd, they were in dead last. They won the Stanley cup. Everything changes after Christmas. I know that we use a, you know, tentative date of Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, because, you know, I think good teams have established themselves and teams that are coming up have maybe started to make some noise. But after Christmas, I don't know how you feel, Thomas, but I feel like the league changes. I feel felt like it always changed after Christmas. Oh, absolutely. Especially with these teams with new coaches, right? Or, or teams that have not just two, three new players, but they have six, seven, eight new players. All of a sudden, you know, they, they know their surroundings away from the rink and they know the the system, they know what expected for them. And it's just each day gets a bit more comfortable. And as you said, I think as much as today's game is wide open, two and one, three and two rushes, breakaways, those slowly go away just because I think you are 40 games in that high energy is slowly not as high anymore because you are 40 games in and you play a bit differently. And and the teams with the best systems, best goaltending, really good defensemen, they tend to do a bit better that second half. I think young players too. You know, there's a lot of young players in this league. Younger, mm-hmm. it's a younger league than it's ever been in the history of the game. And younger players take time. They take time to get acclimated on so many different levels. And some of these kids are coming in so young that they're living on the on their own for the first time in a big city. Um, they're trying to figure out how to cook their cook their breakfast, their lunch, their dinner. Um, trying to do their laundry. Like I mean, get there's settled a lot of various. Yeah, maybe Just like get settled into the mm-hmm. season. Well, they're trying to get furniture. They're trying to get buy a yeah. TV. They're. Tr- I mean, there is so much for these young players to try and figure things out. They're also playing in buildings around uh, North America that they've never played in before. The environment, the team that they're playing against, veteran players that they're looking across at and they're saying, holy shit, five years ago, I was sitting in my parents' basement watching this game with my dad. You know, I mean, it takes time for these young players to get acclimated. And I'll, I'll, you know, you, you you look at the Sabres for an example. You you look at a a player like Jack Quinn came in his first number of games throughout the season, uh, maybe his first twelve, 
15 games, you were kind of like scratching your head a little bit. Uh, Don Granato put him in the stands for a game just to kind of say, hey, calm down, go upstairs, watch the game, enjoy it, and see if you can kind of pick something up by just watching it, you know? And then all of a sudden, it's almost like the little light bulb goes on, starting to feel more comfortable with his surroundings. And now all of a sudden you have this youth line, this kid line with Paterka, Quinn and, 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 uh, and cousins, you're starting to, you'll see a different second half of the year, not only with the Sabres, but a lot of teams are going to be in the same boat. Well, let's stay on the Sabres for a second, because on that topic, Thomas said two things, the system changes and, you know, goal, you need good goaltending. Sabres have had some struggles in net. And they're also uh, struggling in the defensive zone with chances against. They can score. They've proven they can score, and they can Mm -hmm. score against everybody. But that's kind of what I picked up from Thomas, and then you bring up the Sabres, and that concerns me for the Sabres, okay? Because I now they're eight points, I think, out of a wild card two spot. Double-check that. And it's just the, the, the margin for error is so small right now with the parity in the East. There's no real question. Well, you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins just, that that the Sabers just played. Okay, Pittsburgh Penguins two three weeks ago were were well out of a playoff spot. Okay, they were struggling as a team, struggling to find their identity. It's a veteran laded hockey team, and you were kind of like scratching your head, going, "What the hell is going on with Pittsburgh?" I think that they're done. I think that this glory days of Malkin, Crosby, and Latang, and now he, you know, these days are over and they're finally showing their age. And then all of a sudden, you blink. In one week, they play six games, win six, uh, play six yeah. games. They win all six, and now they're sitting in an unbelievable playoff spot with a, with a shit ton of points. Do you know what their record has been over the last 17 games? 17 games? I do not. Well, it's just, I only know this because it was on on the, the screen be, today. Well, it must be close to probably 14 wins, I would say. 12, 2, they, and 2. 12, yeah. 2, and 2. 12, 2, and 2, yeah. I mean... You know, in 17 games. And the funny thing is, There's, you look back three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, not 17, this team was, was not 13, in a playoff two two. position. Sorry, 13, yeah. 2, and 2. Well, I guess, again, that, that's a team that's been there, done that, no panic, right? They went on that West Coast swing and then... Sabres, I think the week before, went on that swing early in the season. Won every game besides Seattle, I remember. And they're like, oh, what a great you know, road trip. Pittsburgh follows that up, and they lost, I believe, every game. But th- those are teams that don't panic. That's a coach that's been there, done that. And they obviously figure it out. And then they'll be right there. I mean, they'll but be It also the goes back to, Vanner, when is this team going to drop off? When's the team going to drop off? They're, they're top three centers. You have Sidney Crosby, who's what, 34. And I mm-hmm. think Evgeny Malkin is 35. Then you look at Jeff Carter is 35. I mean, they're not a young team. This is not a young hockey team. And it's you ask yourself, at what point in time is there going to be a breakdown or a slowdown from these teams that have been, it feels like Pittsburgh has been in the top of the league for two decades and it's just irritating and I'm, I'm getting bored of it. I want, I want something fresh. And you look at, you look at Washington capitals right now, you're starting to see maybe the age 
of some of those players. They're starting to decline. Washington literally led their their division every year for for a decade, and they're starting to falter. And the question is, what what teams do you think that have been in the the top of the league for so many years? When are we going to see a fall off of one of these teams? I just don't see it with Pittsburgh. With Pittsburgh, I don't see it just because you you touch on the older stars. I mean, Crosby's still playing at an elite level. I think would really help them, and I, I go back four or five years ago, is Jake Gensel. Jake Gensel and Crosby, they, they, they fit. Jake brings the hockey IQ off the charts. And I think it rejuvenated a guy like Crosby again. So you have that pair. You can stick anyone with them and they'll be good. But I think what's made Pittsburgh good over the years, they always find those good depth players. Rust is unbelievable. They brought in a guy like Zucker. If he can stay healthy, his speed is a difference maker. They bring in Raquel. So it's not, you you talk about the older guys. But they always find someone a little bit younger who brings. Yeah, but the thing is, kind of like Chicago's done over the years, or not lately, but where, where they they kept the those two guys, Kane and yeah. Taves, Keith and Seabrook. Like it's it's no right. different, you know. They kept they have Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, and mm-hmm. then now they're working around and they keep they keep they keep cycling in players yeah. and finding the right players, and they've given up first round picks year after year after yeah. year to go mm-hmm. and get these guys. Exactly. But then you look at the Caps, and I think that's a team that's going to fall off. Because if you think of the Washington Capitals, who, who is their youth that's making a difference? I think they brought in that Manta, who, who they wanted to take over. Manta's got to be, six. what, 25? Right, 25. But that's that's young. Like, 25 is not old by any means. In this it's league, not it's middle-aged. It's middle-aged, but that's your prime <laughs> hockey, right? Yeah. Like, that's that's... Tage Thompson territory. And I think, you know, that trade they made with Detroit a couple of years back, I, I you know, that's what they I think they were hoping that a young guy like this could elevate a Kuznetsov again or whoever. And it just hasn't happened on that team. So I, I, I see that team. I mean, I they, think they it won. hurts tremendously that even though he's an older player too, I think he's 34. Um, and that's um, um, Backstrom. Backstrom. I mean, Backstrom yes. is world class. He's still playing at a high level. You you look at Sidney Crosby. It's just kind of like, I mean, mm-hmm. this guy's thirty four years old. He's got seventeen goals, thirty eight points, and twenty nine games. Yeah, like, I insane. mean, he is still playing at a super elite level. It's just mind boggling these older players right now and playing with this new generation of speed and skill and hockey IQ. The game's never been faster, and it's almost like it almost benefits guys like Sidney Crosby because Sidney Crosby has never been known for his skating. He's not a bad skater, but he's never been known for elite skating, but he knows where to go on the ice. He knows his passing is super elite. Like he's just the game almost benefits him more than what it was when he came in the league. He's not for sure. I think today's game. I mean, you look at a guy like Patrick Kane. I mean, Patrick Kane could literally play for 10 more years. You put yeah. him with the right players, how smart he is. He doesn't need to skate the game at a high level. His, his hockey IQ is is just off the charge. His hands. Where is he going, man? two steps ahead. I've, I think he's going to the New Jersey Devils. Why do you say that? <laughs> I don't know. I think he would be. I, I'm a big Patrick Kane fan. I love his game. I would love to see him on that team. I think he would be awesome. And that team, 
And what is their what is their cap situation in New Jersey? They have uh, they have a little ching to other. Uh, they've got sixty six thousand dollars. Delegate, you can right move now. out money. You don't always have to just bring in out. I mean, they're going to have to, you know, I mean, Chicago is going to have to take on a contract. I don't know what that contract is, but yeah, I, I know people from day one always think the Rangers because it's New York. But I think New Jersey's, I mean, we have touched on this a few times. That's a legit team. Night in and night out. That's a legit hockey team. And I think the way Patrick Kane plays the game, I mean, he can step in tomorrow and play with Hughes and Pratt and be like, this is a God, am I having fun again? This puck is yeah. just getting snapped around. Like, it's crazy. The young guys that they have, they're being led by Nico. He sure who's what? 20, <laughs> like, 22, 22 years old. Yeah. You got Jack Hughes. Who's the number one overall pick. Then they have Dawson Mercier who no yeah. one really, no one really knows about this kid. They don't even talk about him, but Dawson Mercier was drafted eighth overall or 18th overall. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a first round draft pick, 21 years old. Um, I think they have another kid in the lineup, uh, uh, another young kid that yeah, is... that that Shagan, uh, God, now I'm now I'm sound like riffs. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> or Holtz or something <laughs> like that. Holtz was a super high. Yeah, he's a Swedish kid, but there's another kid. It's, he's not Russian, but maybe well, I think Latvia that's going to be something. tough for them to make that money work, gentlemen. I know he's. He, I know it's going to be. What I'm he, saying, right, Petey? They'll pick up half the salary. Who cares about the cash? He's. I think he's making six point nine in actual yeah. salary this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the only a, way of doing so that, he's going to be. He's going to be five and a quarter million, and you're not going to. Are you? Are you trade? You're not trading. Um, Andre Palat. I could see. I could see the Alexander Holtz. That guy I just named. He was drafted in 2020. He's a seventh overall pick. He's currently with the big club right now. So he's, he's only 20 years old. I could see that guy being in a package, but they're going to have to move out one of two players. They're going to have to move out Thomas Tatar, who makes four and a half million dollars, or they're going to have to move out, um, uh, Andreas Johansson who makes 3.4. And that still might not, might not be enough money. Well, they can. I don't know if they can do this. I have to check. But um, you have Corey Schneider in a buyout at two million bucks, and you got those two guys on long term IR: Mackenzie Blackwood and um, Jonathan Bernier. That's average. That's about six million bucks right there. If you want to try to, if yeah. you're really bought into your goaltending, but I yeah. I don't want to get too far into that. But that's I think that's an interesting spot, Thomas. Teams, I think that teams always make it work, right? I mean. Tampa seems to make it work. These these GMs are pretty creative. Uh, I'm not. Someone will go on long term IR just for the sake of it. Uh, <laughs> hey, yeah. you want to you want a week off? <laughs> you know the hey. interesting. You keep bringing up like everybody talks about Patrick Kane, and and he's still electrifying. He's still playing at a high level. Yeah. Um, but if you're if you're you know looking at making a playoff run long term, why wouldn't the conversation for Jonathan Taves be coming up in all of these top teams in the league um, for not necessarily going in there to be the number one or even the number two center to funnel in to say, we need the leadership. We need the defensive minded ability. You know, he's still playing at a pretty high level this year himself. He's another guy that, I mean, 
I think you you could get a lot for for Jonathan Taze because I don't do. think he's going to play much longer. No, I don't think so either. But I think he's a good fit for different teams, just not the way the Devils play. That's why I put it, Patrick. They're in. all I speed. They're all speed. I think. Yeah, I think actually Taves might be a better fit for the Rangers because I see a more of that third line pairing, as you mentioned, shutdown leadership, and they have yeah. enough top six guys. Or I don't know if they have enough top six guys, but that's not the role. Or even like a Dallas Stars, like who? Who? That's my surprise in the West. I mean, that's a fun team to watch. Just like Jersey is in the East. Yeah, the Stars. I I, I thought the Stars would be okay. I, I did not expect them to be this good. You know who fits in? You know who Jonathan Taves' system fits perfectly with? Winnipeg. Isn't he from there? Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. They have their number one center in Sebastian Ajo. They have their number two center in Jordan Stahl, the captain. And their number three center is Jasper Jasper Kokaniemi. I mean, he would fit in perfectly there. To be that elder elder statesman that knows how to play Rod Brennamore hockey because they essentially played the same type of game, right? Yeah, that's a that's a great team. Yeah, it's a it's a team that actually I think everyone expected to be really good, but no one really talks about them right now. Because they don't have any sex sex appeal to them. Every single team we talk about Dallas, we're talking about um Jason Robertson. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, you look at the next team, uh, you know, Pittsburgh Penguins, you're t- still talking about Sidney Crosby. Um, you, you just go through all right, of you the look teams. at those top teams. They all have, they all have, you know, Boston, guys. you're sitting there talking about Boston. Who we talked about it's the same guys over and over Pasternak pasta. And you're talking Bergeron. Then you're talking Toronto. You're talking Mitchie Marner and you're talking, you know, Matthews, you look at Vegas. You have Jack Eichel show that's just shredding it right now. Pittsburgh Penguins, Winnipeg, Dallas. When you go down to Carolina, who's the number eighth team in the league right now, where's their sex appeal? Yeah. Who's their right. goaltender? Who's their goaltender right now, man? Uh, where? where? Uh, sorry, I wasn't listening. Uh, Carolina. Uh, Chenkov, uh, I don't know. All right. Good answer. today. Because I wouldn't be able to people on the sp- Let me ask you something, asshole. Why do you put people on the spot? Like, just. Just tell us because I would expect you assholes to know the league. Oh, shut up. Just because you're looking at it for the most part. If I asked you, where Anderson is there, the reason why I asked that is because I can't name. I literally cannot name you the two goaltenders that are on Carolina and they're eighth in the league. Who is their top point producing defenseman right now? Could you tell me that? Yes. Burns. Okay, I wouldn't have been able to answer that question. Well, know the fucking league. <laughs> know the league, Craig. And and besides besides Sebastian Aho, okay, and uh, sh- uh, what is what's the young kit there? Uh, the Russian, uh, help me out here. Swetchnikov. Swetchnikov. Who's who is who is up there in points in Carolina to be an eighth team in the league? And I can't name you the players there. They don't have the sexy. Um, players on their team they're extremely well coached they're extremely well structured they don't have the sexy players because they have the players that will all buy into rod brenamore's system and the way that he wants to play and win games and they've been insanely and i mean insanely successful 
in the last number of years since Rod Brennan took over that team. So uh, yeah, I agree. That's, uh, Nikish, that's a well-coached team. Nikash, how do you say his name? Martin Nisas. Nisas, yeah, he's a Czech kid, I believe. 28, he's leading the team in points. Sebastian yeah. Ajo's number two. Sveshnikov's number three. Brent Burns, number four. Uh, Martinuk is number five. But that, it's a drop-off at that point. Seth Jarvis. Yeah, they, they they score by committee, but they 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 roll lines. They they play just a fast brand of hockey. Their D is really, I mean, all of them skate well. I remember playing against them when Rod first took over. I'm like, they're all over you. So that, that's a team that's, I mean, had success and is going to continue to have success with him coaching. So, Do they have enough, though, Vanner? Do they have enough? Like, wouldn't you, like, we're talking about Jonathan Taves. But well, isn't the, the Patrick one thing Kane is, the guy that that team needs? I don't know if he fits in there. I think they do have a guy, you know, Pacioretty, who they traded for. I mean, it, oh, if he right. comes back, that's that's a big weapon right there who's going to fit in nice, who can play that system, big body, can skate, can shoot, simple. I think Patrick Kane might be a little bit too creative for that team, if if that makes any sense. Really? But don't you think, again, when you're talking about trying to get over the hump, it's like the one thing when you when you start to hit the elite teams in the league in the playoffs, whether it's Tampa Bay or the Vegas Golden Knights or these top end teams, they all have something. They all they all defend well. OK, they all defend which Tampa well, does, which Tampa does, but they all have game breakers. And you look at in Carolina. When push comes to shove and playing against another elite team for a seven game series, do you have a game breaker? And I don't think they have a game breaker in Carolina. But okay, I, yeah, I can I understand your point. But now we, everyone always brings up Tampa and rightfully so because they have won one, lost in the finals, right? And and for multiple years they've been there, done that. When I ask you playoffs, Tampa Bay Lightning, who's the game breaker? Who? What's the first name that comes to mind? Well, Kucherov is, I think, what you're looking for, right? No, I would say that's not I would, the guy I'm looking I for. I would say point. The guy that I deem a game breaker when I think of Tampa Bay in a in and let's say in overtime, they they have mm-hmm. they actually have a couple. They have Steve yeah. Stamkos. Well, that's not the guy Kucherov, he's looking, he's looking for us to say Stamkos, aren't you? No. Man? No, oh, no. Really? I, I have point as my game breaker. I just think that he's he's he just seems to play the game, especially in the playoffs. Like his game is literally perfect. I think he's actually going to say Vasilevsky. Oh, no, he's going to yes. say Hedman. No, Hed- Vasilevsky? Again, that's the thing. Every name you said is a game breaker. But look at how many game sevens they have played or elimination games. And who is the one who lets up less than one goal? It's Vasilevsky. Yeah, when you have okay. that goaltending. It it it's then then you're up front. You can take more chances. But is it goaltending or is it like? Oh my god! They, I think they have super elite defense core. Like their defense core is unbelievable, and their off their oh, offense sure. is yeah, unbelievable. He still gets hung out to dry, man, and he's but there. Man, look at Toronto series last year. I mean, Toronto at times played unbelievable against them. And then all of a sudden they can't score. They can't score. They get frustrated. And then, you know, then the big guys by Tampa all of a sudden in the second period get going. And before you know it, they, it's two, three, four goals. Yeah. So it's, 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 to me, it does in the playoffs, especially it comes down to goaltending. And, and that's the biggest difference. I think you put a different goalie at Tampa 
Can they still win? Yeah, they can because of all the weapons you have mentioned. But man, it gets a lot. Like you put like last year's, I mean, Colorado is a great example with Kemper. I think that's that's a team that won with a certain style, especially offensively, and they bought in defensively as well. But you put a different goalie than Vasilevsky in there. I think the last five, six years look way different in Tampa than what they look like. It changed when they, and uh, this is not a cheap shot at Bishop. He had his time in the sun, oh. no, like, but it changed drastically when they got rid of Bishop. The, the team changed. Petey like, hates Bishop, man. <laughs> don't hate him. Yes, you do. You hate him so bad. Well, I don't he's 6'7". Well. He's injured all the time. Here's a reason, right? I mean, I've been a suitcase, so I'm not well, saying we, Ben Bishop is a suitcase. Now he's a saber. Right, they forgot but, he's a saber, and they right. and that and that helped them sign. Yeah, Craig's looking it up. Wait, he's a saber. Yeah, they traded for his contract in the offseason, right. so that but they Ben can Bishop's help, help the Sabers or help Dallas sign Robertson. How how uh, how many times has Bishop been traded? That usually doesn't happen, right? When you have a goalie who is six 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 seven can play and this he's this six seven two ten yeah <laughs> thirty six years old. And he's played on St. Louis, Ottawa Senators, Tampa Bay, LA Kings, and Dallas. the Dallas Stars. And he had some great years. But I just, he did. I just oh, think, yeah. you know, very good years. Yeah. There's goalies that I think you hit a height and it's like your risk of injuries. I think it's there. I just feel that way. Same with Devin Dubnik. But, oh, yeah. It's it's yeah, goaltending is I mean what's the ultimate it, size for a goaltender because it it started to get to a point there where we're starting to see all these goaltenders six five six 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 seven start to sneak into the league and now it seems like it's dialed back a little bit back to like you know the prototypical kind of six six two type goaltender like I don't think the the size of the goaltender is is the factor it's about the movement of these guys I think. You know, the there there's there's like you look at that what who, who's the guy in Nashville? Soros? Yeah, what is he like five ten guy. or something like that, or five eleven, and he is absolutely spectacular. I, I don't know if size really matters. I think it's the style of play, just like just like players, right? I mean, we have Jack Hughes and then he sure they're smaller guys and super successful. I think the same thing can be said with goaltending. I mean, that, that Spencer Knight in Florida, he's what is he, six two? He's not six six, I don't think. No. He's a nice that well, that's uh, what I'm saying. Like the, you look at Dallas Devin Stars. Levi. Devin Levi's coming in. He was one of the traded from from Florida for, for Sam Reinhardt. And he has been through the roof spectacular in D one hockey and you know, very He'll be in a, in a he'll be in a Sabres uniform soon, maybe not next year, but soon. And oh, he, he'll be, I, he'll I think be he's in six a Sabres feet tall. Uniform in March, and really show you quickly. Well, yeah, he, you don't think you don't think he's gonna finish his college career and then wants to eat up year one of his contract. That's how it works with these D one kids nowadays. I don't know. Portillo said no, thank you. Well, Portillo because wants I think, to hit UFA. Yeah, which, you know, that's the same thing that the kid who was just on waivers, uh, Cal Peterson did, right? He was a Sabres guy out of Notre Dame, said no to the Sabres and found a better opportunity somewhere else. So I think Bertillo is thinking the same thing, that the Sabres love Levi too much. Why am I going there? I can find a different spot. 
hey, you're there in Minnesota. What's the scoop on Ryan Johnson? He's going into his fourth year. He's going to hit UFA as well, and I, I'm not sure that talks went very well with the Sabres and him. Yeah, I, again, I think it's all about opportunity. I'm, I'm not hearing anything, but, you know, would I be shocked if he waits until, what is it, August 1st, and he becomes a unrestricted free agent and, and signs somewhere else? No, why wouldn't, wouldn't you do that? Like, why would you subject your yourself to one team right? who has four players, four, that are under the age of 22 in their top four defense? Exactly. Like, why would you ever subject yourself to that situation? Like, why, you know, the, the smart thing for Johnson to do, he's going to play out his his college career and he's going to, he's going to pick the best spot where he's going. Very possible. Right. He's going to go to a team that he's probably going to take maybe a year in the minors or two years in the minors, but has a future looking forward for him to possibly make a jump. Well, he's from, he's from Anaheim. He played, he won a national championship 16 U with the Anaheim junior ducks. His dad played for the ducks, I think. So yes. Yeah. He's a Minnesota kid. His dad is from here. And then finish his career. Which Johnson is that? Stayed there. Is that Ryan? Not Ryan Johnson. Um, Uh, Mike, I believe. No, no, I might be wrong. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Anyway, I don't know, but that's that's what I'm saying with with Levi. That I believe they're going to sign him right away, eat that year one contract, but have him at least be a saber and not. You know, because it happens. I mean, it happened 15 years ago to Blake Wheeler. It's a, that's a fifth overall pick. He stayed his junior year in college. And after your junior year, I believe if you wait till August 15th, if you're not signed, you can be a free agent. He was a fifth overall pick by the Phoenix Coyotes and ended up signing in Boston. Craig Johnson. Craig. Correct. 557 yeah. NHL games. Played for St. Louis, L.A., Anaheim, Toronto, Washington. Yeah, that's his dad. Mm-hmm. All right, Vanner, last thing we'll ask you before we get out of here. Alex Ovechkin, you being a goal scorer, how impressive is it what he's doing? He's going to hit 800 goals. I think it's awesome. And I think the best part is he's just getting these empty netters right now. I'm loving it. Just keep feeding them. Keep putting them out there. Well, and, you know, um, so we talked about this yesterday. Gretzky has, I think, 56 career empty netters. I think Ovi now has 52 yeah, I or saw 53. That. 53, and I think. How did you view empty netters? Do you know how many you had? Not many. No, I, I kept, no. I think I got my first one because I was in the penalty box in Montreal and I got out and the puck came out. And if I would have to take a guess, I would say it's less than 10. So that I usually wasn't out there, but I would have taken 50 of them. Oh, yeah? You would have been all right with them? Because I have four NHL goals, and one of them is empty net, and it's shameful. Why? Okay, so if you would have had six more empty netters, now you're talking you had 10 in the league. That that would be shameful? Yeah, the old they don't ask how, they ask how many, but I know exactly. aren't tooting right there, Petey. It it doesn't matter Put it in the net, bud. Exactly. Uh, it doesn't, there's no statistic for, I have like yesterday when I looked up Alex Ovechkin empty net goals, it popped up right away, but it does not That's because it's Alex Ovechkin, Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Not, not many, but you know what? And I can't wait for, and, and it sounds like Backstrom is on his way to get healed. And once, once Backstrom is back, like that's, 
I mean, how many more goals will Ovi get just because of Baxter? How many more can he get? He's got 18 goals already. I mean, he is darn near shredding <laughs> it right now. Like, I don't know. Like, how many, <laughs> how much more can he get? More. Will more. they play Chicago tonight? I don't think it matters who they play. I don't think it matters who he plays. He scores against everybody. No, as I, long I as know. he gets his looks, it's but going I, in. But I mean, you know, you look at Tage Thompson the other night. He scored. Uh, it was the day after you were on, Van. He has he had mm-hmm. five goals, and and I think it's amazing. And I'm not taking anything away. He scored five goals in the NHL. But I mean, it's Columbus. So I look at Chicago, and I think they're they're down at the bottom of their conference. And yeah. is this a game where they just go out and just pump goals on them? That's that's all I'm thinking. Does he it, basically my my thing is he could break 800 tonight. I'm on Overwatch. It could happen any night. I mean, it, it all depends for him as how many looks, how many power plays, right? If they if they end up with six, seven power plays tonight and he gets 14 shots, do we even God, care he about put, him he might passing Gordy Howe though? Like, is that does that matter to anybody? To me, it does. I don't think it does at all. I think no, it's I think special it's that he gets number two. But I mean, everybody is watching. It's the OV watch and it's not to, um, past, you know, Mr. Hockey. Okay. It's not to get past 801 goals. It's to get past 894 goals. And that's the bar right now. hundred percent. I think it's, it's, it's 899. That's, that's what everyone's looking at. OV and Wayne, but, uh, oh, it's amazing. I haven't uh, looked at the statistics. I haven't looked at the stats in the league for probably probably a week, okay? And I remember just a couple days ago that Connor McDavid, that Jason Robertson and Leon Dreisaitl were all within a couple points. You remember that? Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the statistics now. Connor McDavid, Cage Thompson has 41. He's fourth in the league right now. Jason Robertson has 42. Leon Dreisaitl has 46. And I remember Connor McDavid was right there with those players. Connor McDavid now has 55 points. Yeah, he's a freak. He's an absolute machine. 25 goals right now, 55 points. He's played 29 games. The difference watching him now than the first, I don't know how many years has he been in the league now? Is this year eight? Maybe seven, eight, something like that. This is year. well. It doesn't matter, but this year it seems like he's got a way more different mentality, taking the puck to the net and having more of a goal scorer's mentality. Well, I think in the past, you know, he's so fast, but always looked for something else. Always, you know, I think this year he finally realized there is nothing else <laughs> besides Leon. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot more, and and that's why he's got 25 goals. That if that, he continues like that, that's 60 goal season for him easily. I believe. Um, Leon Dreisaitl told McDavid, like, you should be you should be able to score 60, 70 goals in yeah. this league. And and I think I don't know if that's a if that was a direct challenge to him, but I also wonder if it pissed him off last year that Austin Matthews won the Hart Trophy and scored 60 goals and got a shit ton of credit and was just basically the star of the entire league. But uh, as yeah, whatever I, McDavid I, did last year, you, you don't think that matters? Like, like think about I don't this think for a it second. matters, no. Really? Th- I really think about so. This. I think Connor McDavid knows he's the best player. Michael but Jordan I think used to get pissed off that Carl Malone won the MVP and used that as fuel. Like these, we don't, maybe we just don't know how he thinks behind closed doors because he's not as vocal about it. But like a guy right. like Michael Jordan, and you have to think that Connor McDavid wants to go down as the greatest player 
ever. And I, I have to believe that that stuff kind of, that pisses him off. If it's like that, he had, did he not, he didn't even go to the awards, did he? I th- last I don't year, think I don't so, even, no. I don't no, even think he went he to the awards. He probably up. found out before that he wasn't going to win. He was probably pissed because he wasn't there. Face of the league. Yeah, so, but I, I think he knows he's the best player, the most creative player, the fastest player, whatever you want to term him. But I think if anything, he's pissed that he's probably like, I can score goals just as good as anyone. And I think that's the that's the mentality that changed. He's way more, like I mentioned earlier, way more direct and scoring more. Tage is in that OV spot on the power play, right? Yep. That's back-to-back at Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, I watched that game. And did you see how they played him? How Pittsburgh played Tage on the power play? I they didn't had the see guy the game hanging. on Saturday. I was at the Headstones concert. Oh, nice. <laughs> I That's right. I heard that story yesterday. Yeah. You didn't I was at the Headstones concert. Hell of a show, by the way. Carry on. So what happened on Saturday? Give me the breakdown. So obviously, you know, Tage is in an, a status now where he's a top five player. And then his shot is just, I mean, that one timer against Columbus at 100 miles per hour. I mean, that's unstoppable. That is unstoppable. And they shifted a forward over and took his one timer away. So now he was coming over the top and it's just confused him. So it will be interesting for me as a power play guy and watching a lot of, you know, games and coaching, you know, high school hockey, how Donnie Granado and and Matt Ellis and the staff reacts and changes the power play. Because in my mind, I got some ideas how I would open them up. Well, I know, I know, I know how it has to be done. You're That's a PK so- guy. How do you know? Because I know. <laughs> <laughs> you notice that I'm <laughs> <laughs> Do you notice that I was staying quiet, Greg? I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and have a fucking power play conversation with Thomas Vanek, okay? But no, I'm, but I'm, I'm well, listen, wait. I did play power play. I know you and I power did play. kill penalties. You and Sako Koivu or what? And, and, <laughs> and when I say this, when I say what I'm going to say, you guys, I think, will kind of understand where I'm going with this. So if you were to watch the greatest power play Goal scorer of all time. Who is it? Alex Ovechkin. Okay. Followed by Dave Garbage, Chuck Anderchuk. So, so when you look at Alex Ovechkin and how Washington has run the power play for years and years and years and years, Alex Ovechkin is the afterthought on the on the power play. They are so elite when it comes to running the power play. And I'll I'll just talk about. You know, a, a year ago, they had Kunetsov, who's down low on the goal line. They have TJ right. Oshie, who's in the slot. They have Backstrom, who's on the half board. And they have one of the best power play specialists in John Carlson. John Carlson. Thank you. There you go. These guys. I never even thought they, of the Washington power play. Okay. So listen to me. These guys play on one side 90% of the time. If you Am I, am I right so far, Vanner? You're very correct. Yes. Okay. So they are so elite with Kunetsov, Backstrom, Oshie, and Carlson that mm-hmm. if they're going to leave the one-timer open for Carlson, he's going to blast it. Okay. If they're going to leave down low plays, then it's going to be the TJ Oshie Kunetsov. Uh, they literally run the power play on the opposite side of where Alex Ovechkin is. And then you have Alex Ovechkin that everybody forgets about. Because there's so much elite status on the other side of the ice, you have to defend it or they will score that way. 
And the mm-hmm. one time that the other team gets out of their position to take away Ovi, it goes across to Carlson, Ovi, and a one-timer, and it's in the net. And, and you net. and people have said, how are you allowing him to shoot this one-timer? Well, if you watch the power play, a minute of the power play is the puck movement on the other side. And one second, it went to Ovi, and there's a shot on net and a goal. All right. right. Back, but back, back you, I'm Thomas. not talking about the Washington. I'm talking about Buffalo. So I can't wait for tonight and see how they adjust because who is uh, Buffalo's John Carlson? Darlene. Well, it's going to be Darlene, Darlene, but he's on a different, he's not in his one timer. So Darlene exactly. is not quite as, as dangerous. And then yep. it's going to be who is the backstrom on the half boards. Right. Um, that so, could be Dylan Cousins. And then who is the guy watch. in the slot? Who is the guy? You know what I'm saying? They're going to have to alter their power play a little bit. Who do you so think it, it should be? Focus off, off, uh, no, you, you, Darlene has to be on the top just because he's so smooth and he can see the ice. But to me, it's got you got to find a half wall guy that can draw people in, and you know it's either got to be Tuck in the bumper spot or Cousins in the bumper spot, and that's who you got to feed constantly four, yep. five, six times until they clog it in, and then whoever plays that half wall, I don't know, I don't know if that's you know Skinner is out, is he good enough? I don't know about his passing. Dad's crafty; he can make some plays. Yeah, he can also. What hand turn shot over, does it have to be in your opinion? You don't need a shot. No, you got to be a great disher. No, what hand, sh- like your right-handed, left-handed, does it matter from that side of the ice? In your it opinion? does. I think it has to be a lefty. Okay. A righty will be, it's too easy to take away with the, the middle with a right-handed shot on the half wall. So th- that's kind of what I'm going to be looking tonight of how they're going to adjust their power play because Pittsburgh, I thought, did a fantastic job. And Buffalo is rolling over the top and nothing was open. They got frustrated real quick. Well, my eight-year-old nephew told me last night, Jeff's son, Gavin, mm-hmm. that the Sabres um, fiddle with the puck too much. That's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> he watched the game on Saturday, and his analysis is, Uncle Andrew, the Buffalo Sabres fiddle with the puck too much. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Greg Reve 52 at the Instigator 76 and you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.